chapter 8, verses 4 through 5. We're going to jump right in today. I'm going to try to finish this word for you and get you out in enough time to go grub. Amen. Come on. That's not, you know that's what you're going to do. Amen. That's what I'm going to do. Amen. It's, it's just kind of a Christian ritual. We go to church, and I think it's the way we reward ourselves for getting up. You know, I think, OK, we're going to go to church and then we're going to go eat after. And it kind of makes the, the tough stuff. OK, you know, the fact that we had to get up, leave our warm bed, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're going to get you out of here in time to beat the Baptists. Come on, because they be they be taking a little longer than us. So. All right. Luke chapter eight, four through five. It says this. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he meaning Jesus spoke a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. Everybody say wayside. And it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. I'm going to stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time in the house of God. Lord, I thank you for every person, every family, every child that is Elevate Life Church. I believe you're doing a specific, powerful work in this place. And Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your grace to bring the word today. And Lord, I pray that every ear would be open. Every heart would be open because, Father, you love us. You love us with an ununderstandable love, an unconditional love that even though we're here and we're all imperfect people, we've all made mistakes. We've all done things, Lord, that have fallen short of your glory. You still love us and you speak to us in love and you and you and you correct us in love and you instruct us in love. And we open up our hearts and our minds to your counsel today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. As I was getting ready to bring the word to you this week, the Lord kept putting something in my spirit and I tried to get away from it because I've I've been like, well, Lord, I've talked about that so many times. I've I've, I've hit that before. I've 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 dealt with that before. I don't want to go. I want to get on something else. Uh, And I couldn't So I'd get in the word and and I, I couldn't get away from it. And I kept going, Okay, God, why do you want me to bring these things up again? And the Lord reminded me of our assignment as a church. Our assignment as a church is not just to raise up uh, and get people saved. Our assignment as a church is to raise up a new breed of believer. It is to go and do what the book of Acts did and and model our church after uh, a church that uh, was formed in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, how many know they didn't play games? Amen. People got healed. Blind eyes were open. Uh, they, they were in unity. Uh, thousands got saved and discipled. And so the Lord kept reminding me, listen, this isn't just about having a good church service on Sunday. I'm doing something through this house. I'm building up a people. And it reminded me also of the apostolic anointing. You know, there's fivefold ministry. There's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher. And he reminded me that uh, what one of the mandates on our church is to raise up disciples. Okay, we've talked about that many, many times. There is a difference between a disciple and a believer. Okay, there's a difference between a disciple, one who is following the ways of Christ and one that just goes to church. And and so he was reminding me about that. And as he was reminding me about that, he also began to remind me about what the the word apostle means. You know, some so many people want to call themselves an apostle or talk about an apostolic anointing. But you've got to understand where that word originates from. The word apostle was a military term that the Greeks used. 
Okay, and it was interesting that that the the 12 disciples were called apostles because it wasn't a church term. It wasn't a religious term. It was a term of war. We talked about battles and and lovers and fighters. And what the apostle would do for the Greeks was when uh, or the Romans, when they would go into an area and the area was defeated and the war had been won in that area, they would send in the government would send in those that were called apostles and the apostles would live there and their task was to teach the people the new ways of the kingdom. So if you were in Crete and you were conquered by the Romans, they would send a guy there that was called an apostle and he would say, "Okay, I know how you guys have been running things, but we've just conquered you. You're a part of this kingdom now. And so you're going to need to know how this kingdom works. Can I get an amen on that? And so when Jesus said, you are my apostles, what he was saying to them was, it is your responsibility now to go and teach people how my kingdom works. And so that's what the book of Acts is about. These guys, they didn't just go in and have nice services and give nice little morsels on a Sunday so that people could be in and out of church in an hour. They took the time to teach people, okay, you're a Christian now. You're a disciple. This is how we do things. We don't do them like that no more. We do them like this. How many know what I'm talking about? We've talked about this many, many times. So the Lord's reminding me about these things and saying, listen, this is going to take some time because we've got people that have been living a certain way for so long that the right thing seems wrong and the wrong thing seems right. Come on. We live in a day and age in America where we elevate the wrong thing and we put down the right thing. So when a quarterback in the NFL stands up for righteousness, and, and, and praise before a game or when he gets a touchdown, we call that a distraction and we say we don't want that on our team. Hello, Tim Tebow. It is what it is. But if we've got another quarterback that is doing his deal, godlessly living, doing his thing, well, that's okay because that's normal. Come on, you know it's true. We live in a day and age like this. I'm not talking football or politics, but it is what it is. We live in a day and age where we had some of our youth leaders go out to pray at the see you at the poll. And they told them, you cannot come here and pray with these kids. See, the wrong thing for so long has been going on that the wrong thing is called rights. And when somebody wants to go to a school and pray with some kids, we kick them out. And it it doesn't get press, didn't get written in the papers because we live in a day and age where the wrong thing, come on, is the right thing. And the right thing is the wrong thing. Jesus warned us of a time. He said in the end times, it will be as the days of Lot. Okay, he said the days of Lot. Now, a lot of people want to quote that a different way. And and they say, well, in the last days, it's going to be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Actually, it's not a lot of people. It was Peter. There's two accounts of this. Peter says in the last days, it's going to be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus says in the last days is going to be as in the days of Lot. And there's a difference and there's a reason why Jesus points it different than Peter does. Because what Jesus is is pointing to the fact of that it was Lot's day and, and Lot had a responsibility that he didn't meet. And you can go back to the book of Genesis and read about what was going on with Lot. But Lot came from Abraham. 
And Lot knew righteousness through Abraham. But when he got into Sodom and Gomorrah, he put down the righteousness and the ways that he had learned from Abraham. And he began to think like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. To where when the angels came to rescue Lot, they said, hey, we need to get you out of here. Lot's like, no, no, everything's cool. Everything's all right. They're like, no, we need to get you out of here now because God's going to destroy the city. We said, just just come in my house. You see, Lot should have been like, let's do this. Let's get out of here. But it doesn't stop there, because when you read the story, the next thing you see happen is wicked men come to Lot's house and they say, hey, why don't you send out those fine men that you got up in that house? And, 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 and you read the story on your own. So these men of the city come to Lot's house and the Bible says they want to sleep with the angels that God has sent. So they say, send us out those men and let me show you how far Lot had gone off track. Because when Lot say, hears them, he answers the door, he tells them this. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, leave those guys alone. I've got two virgin daughters. Why don't you take them instead? See, any father in this place right now is thinking, what is that fool doing? Because there's no way Lot should have been tempting these men with his virgin daughters. But see, he had come under the living of Sodom and Gomorrah to the degree that he no longer saw what was right. He was used to what is wrong. And so he was willing to give his two virgin daughters, which points to the fact that they were probably young girls, to these strangers to keep their lust down. I'm going to tell you something. That's some deception right there. That's some stuff right there. And Jesus warns us it's going to be like that in the days uh, in the last days, like the days of Lot. What he's basically saying is this. In the last days, people are going to forsake what is right for what is wrong because of popular opinion. I don't care what they say on the radio. Premarital sex is still not right. It carries consequences. Yeah, but this is 2014, Pastor. I just wear a condom. See, we, we, we got that in the church. We got that kind of stuff going on in the church. Yeah, but, you know, it's just a little weed. And, you know, uh, 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 you know, it's OK. It's legal now. It's legal. It's legal. <laughs> we listen. We got to We got to put our pump our brakes a little bit. It don't matter what they say is legal. It matters what God's word says is legal. Because if you want to just go by the laws of men, you're going to be in trouble when you travel the world because they got crazy laws. Go to Amsterdam. You think it's legal in Sacramento and California to smoke weed? They out there with cafes and stuff. I've been there. You go to order some food. They got another menu for the weed. But you want some kush? What you got? Want this? Want some chronic right here? It's all there. Been there. Been there. I didn't do it, though. Been there. I almost said been there, done that. been there, but I didn't do that. Oh, but then it gets worse because then you go to Germany. You go to Germany. See, in our country right now, we've got this argument about same-sex marriage. We got this argument here, but you go to Germany and a few years back, somebody raised their hand and said, hey, what about, uh, a, uh, what about being a, a, a somebody that is into bestiality? So in Germany, you can, it is perfectly legal for you to marry or have sex with animals in Germany. Yeah, look it up. Google it. 
Okay? Very, be careful what comes up, though. I'm just going to warn you. <laughs> I need some pictures and all that. Videos. <laughs> but listen, so that's what they say is okay. But that shouldn't shake you and I. You see, we've got to have a standard and that standard has to come from God's word. So how do we get that standard in our life? We got to be taught and we got to take time to get taught. So you got to come to a church like this and you got to hear the word and you got to take it in so that we learn what God wants from us and not what is public opinion. Or what your favorite rapper says what your favorite TV show says or what your favorite movie says or what your neighbor says or what your tia says uh oh, or what your tío says or your friends or your family. Listen, you got to learn what our standard is and what our ways are by God's word. So it brings us to what God was wanting me to hit on again. And that I, that is this idea of coming up out of the wayside. Because we've got to be people that are founded in God's word and come up out of the place where we began. Now, why do I always hit on this? The reason I always touch on living in the wayside is because the majority of us and the majority of people we will reach in Sacramento are people that live on the wayside. And when you live on the wayside, the Bible tells us the result we're going to have. If you live by the wayside, you're probably going to have a life that's trampled down and a life where the birds of the air devour what God gives you. And so this is a place where most people live at. They take one step forward, then they take two, three steps back. They take one step forward, two, three steps back. Most people cannot get ahead in life because they're living by the wayside. Now, unfortunately, we have Christians that even though they receive Jesus Christ, come into the kingdom, but they don't leave the ways of the wayside. And so even though if the Jesus were to come, even though if they were to die, they would go to heaven. They never experienced the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give in John chapter 10, 10. And without ever receiving the abundant life, people, we cannot reach the harvest, the souls that we're called to reach. Amen? Amen. So God is looking at Jesse Castaneda and he is saying, I need Jesse at the full capacity. I don't need half a cup of Jesse, two thirds a cup of Jesse, a broke down Jesse. Come on, don't, don't help me now. I need a full cup of Jesse who is armed with every blessing that I've given him. Yes. Are you tracking with me? Yes. I hope you're tracking with me because it's not just for Jesse, it's for you. Yes. This world needs a full cup of Arnold. Come on, somebody. Yes. Half a cup is good, Arnold. It's good because I like me some Arnold. <laughs> I do. But the world needs a full cup. Yes. And so Jesus came to bring you a better life than you can ever dream of. But we can't get it. If we don't ever leave the wayside. OK, and we've talked about this many times and some of you have heard it. So and some of you haven't. So I'm not going to refer to it anymore. I want you to hear it as the first time. So what Jesus is teaching right here is that when you're on the wayside, the seed gets sown. Some and some will be trampled down and the birds will steal the rest of it. Now, I want you to go down to Luke chapter 8, 12, 11 and 12. That same chapter there, Jesus now explains the parable. 
And he says this, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So I love how Jesus in this chapter breaks it down. This is the parable. This is what I want you guys to not, but I don't want you to be wayside people. This is what happens on the wayside. The wayside is when you, you're in a place where the devil comes, takes God's word out of your heart, and then, uh, and then you're not able to experience salvation. You're not able to experience true life, okay? Now, you say, well, isn't this something that he's speaking out of people in the world? But I beg to differ because people in the world aren't hearing, and it says here, we're the ones who are hearing. We're hearing the word. So, yes, there are wayside people out there, but there are wayside people in the church that come to a church like this that preaches the word of God. They hear the word of God, but they're not able to take it in because the moment they step out the doors, Satan comes and he steals the word of God. I can't tell you how many Christian people I see that are like this who will come and say, Pastor, God told me this, and I need to do this, and I'm going to do it. A week goes by, two weeks. Well, I thought you was going to do that. Well, you know, I, I, my job. Well, you know, school. And there's always a reason. But what goes off in my mind sometimes is wayside. Because here's a person that heard from God but when they go out to obey him, Satan comes. How does Satan come? He comes to questioning. Come on, y'all read the Bible. Genesis. Come on. How did he come to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? God says, don't eat the fruit. Here comes Satan. Did God really say that? Maybe you just ate too much fruit that day and you was just having crazy dreams. And, you know, we laugh, but it's the same way he comes to us. I see singles go to a singles conference. They come up, Pastor God spoke to me. I'm not supposed to be seeing nobody. I'm not supposed to be doing it. I'm getting, quite, getting quiet in here. I feel a rock spirit coming. Let me come over here, preach this behind here, right here. And then we say, oh, you know, God told me I need to give him some time. Three months goes by. Hey, come somebody. What's your name? Boom. What happened to what God said? Well, I just, I think I was just, you know, caught up in the Lake Tahoe air. I think I was just, you know, thinking that because it was the right thing to think. How about maybe thinking you heard from God? But the moment it's time for you to stand on what you heard, you wavered and you allowed Satan to come and steal away the word from your heart. And now you're back on the wayside where guess what's going to happen? Trampling. Someone's going to walk all over you. Well, guess what else is going to happen? The birds are going to come and devour. What are they devouring? The blessing that God had for you. And we got to be people. We're not wayside people. We're all tempted in that way. Listen, when my wife and I moved to Sacramento, we were so pumped. We're going to start a church. We're telling everybody a year into that thing. We wanted to die. Literally. We thought this ain't never going to happen. We looked at each other and we said, I don't even know if I want to be with you. I don't know why I want to be with you because this is tough. <laughs> and people are calling us from Florida. Come back. Come over here. You could have this. Come back over here. But you know what? I am not a wayside Christian. I'm not going to let Satan come and, and tempt me. 
If he said it, he'll do it. If I don't give up, cave in and quit. So we came together and said, no, you're not going nowhere. I'm not going nowhere. We're going to do this. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. And when he's ready, he's going to tell us. But we are not going to back off of God's word. Now, I don't know what God's told you, but some of you have backed off of things that the Lord told you to do. Now, you, you could do what you want to do. Nobody can make you do anything. But when you do that, what you're showing is you really ain't left the wayside. And when you don't leave the wayside, it's no wonder you don't grow. It's no wonder you stay at half a cup. Two thirds cup. We want to be a cup running over. Amen. Are you getting something today? So how does Satan come? He comes. The Bible makes it real clear. Satan's the one that comes to you. He comes to you and says, did God really say that? Did God really call you into ministry? Come back from a mission trip. Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm called. I'm called. I'm going to preach this gospel all over the planet. Give me a ticket right now. Going. Three months later. Now nah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go over here and do this thing here. What is that? Wayside living. How did it enter in? Listen, how does Satan move in your life? Questioning voices. He questions the word of God. Little subtle voices that come and say, did God really say that? Or were you just caught up in a nice service? Maybe you got caught up in the emotion of what pastor's preaching about. You know, maybe you're just you're doing what everybody else does. You keep listening to that kind of voice. You keep thinking that way. You'll stay on the wayside. Trust me. Questioning. Did God say that's Satan's that's whole Satan's game plan right there. That's how he gets it done. We've got to learn to understand when God speaks to us, trust in it. He say, well, how do I really know if God's speaking? Oh, you know. Let's not play that game. Can we just keep it real up in here? That's why you come to this church anyway, because we keep it real. So let's get rid of this thing of where, well, how do I really know? You know when God is speaking. Quit playing that game. Just throw that out right now. But do I really? But how do I know it's not just me? Let me tell you how you know it's not just you, because if it was just you, you'd be getting all the blessing. Amen. Amen. If it was just you, you'd be saying, I'm ready to date everybody. I'm ready to eat all this. I'm ready to go here. I'm ready to make myself me, 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 me. You know, when it's God, when you're not really the the principal thing in the equation. It's usually when God speaks, it's usually something you guys take a step back. Hey, and kiss yourself. That's an old James uh, Brown move right there. So, do you remember James Brown? Jump back. Hey, kiss myself. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so we, we've got to, We've got to remember how how I know it's God. God, it, it will speak to you, and you aren't the principal thing. You know, people try to uh, speak their way out of what God speaks to them to give. Oh, uh, that's not God. Usually it is. Our thing is, well, I'll give 20 cents. Come on, somebody. You know, I'll throw a dime into this thing. God, you know, when God's speaking, let's not play that game. So how does Satan come to disturb you and, and keep you on the wayside? Number one, he questions the things God says. Number two, he twists words. If you didn't hear this message last week from Pastor Kirk, my goodness, you better get online and you better get that message. 
because he spoke some things into this house. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's no coincidence. We've been speaking about battles and fighting for over a month. And then Pastor Kirk comes in and basically the word of the Lord is this. Oh, by the way, this is who you're fighting. Pride. And this is what that spirit does. One of the things he said was twist words, twist words, twist conversation, say things to, that, that weren't said or stay, take something that was said, but twist it to mean something else. Listen, we've got to be careful of how Satan tries to do that. He wants to separate us by twisting words. OK, but so he'll separate you from your promise by twisting things. Number three, what else does he do? He uh, Satan comes to try to elevate self above all. So you stay on the wayside when you make yourself your God. What's it's all about what you want. It's all about doing what you want. I ain't gonna have nobody tell me what to do. I'm not going to do. I'm, I'm just me, me, me. You get that same kind of spirit. You get that same thing that Lucifer had in heaven. You know, one preacher said he had an eye disease because he said, I will ascend to my throne. I will do this. I will do that. And some of us in this church, we have an eye disease, but we have a saying around here. It's not about you. Look at the person next to you and tell them it ain't about you. It's not about you. Satan wants you to think it is. He wants you to think it's all about you. But, you know, the quickest way to destroy your life is live for yourself. I've seen 70 year old men hating life right about now because they live their whole life living for themselves. Kids don't want nothing to do with them. Grandkids sure don't want nothing to do with them. Nobody wants nothing to do with them. Why? Because they're selfish. And that selfish spirit is from the enemy. Because, listen, we've got to understand that if when once you come into the kingdom, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. Amen. Yes. It's about us. It's interesting that when Jesus taught us how to pray and he taught us the Lord's prayer, you know how he starts that prayer? Our father. He didn't start it. My father. I know some of you've been saying it since Catholic school, but you ever think about that. They said, hey, how do we pray? He says, our father. What's the concept? Community. Others. Us. We go from being me to us. I to us. What's that saying? They say there ain't no I in team unless you speak in Spanish. Because that throws that whole thing messed up. We blew that out. That's why I didn't, y'all don't use that no more. Don't use that no more because hey, it, it don't make sense in that. So. But listen, you get what I'm saying. When we get saved, it's not just about you. It's about us. It's not, it's not mine. It's our. I just blew some of your heads right there. I just, poof, poof, poof. Come on back. Amen. Let me keep going. So Satan works through ignorance, through weakness. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to keep us on the wayside. What am I trying to do? You need to hear this now. I'm trying to get a group of people out of the wayside. Why? Because I'm nosy? Because I want to be in people's business? No, because it's a mandate that I have from God to make sure that you experience all God has for you. And if you're not on that same page, there's going to be a problem. OK, there's going to be a problem. Why? Because that's what we're about. Why? Because we don't have nothing to do with our lives. You better think again, because I like to be in people's teaching, telling them stuff. No, listen, I'd rather be home watching the game, too. Well, not anymore. I got my mind renewed. I love being here. Hey, Amen. let me take that back. 
But what I'm saying is this. We've got a mandate. And you've got to understand your job and your position is to get off the wayside. Because as long as you stay on the wayside, come on, you're, you're, that, that marriage don't got a chance. It don't have a chance. Some of our marriages in this church hanging on by a string. And you know it. Why? Wayside thinking. Some of our teenagers might not make it. Why? Wayside thinking. I, didn't, I ain't got time to just be about gathering a group of big old church people and come on in. Let's have five services. Let's have four services. But everybody go home and be ignorant. Yeah. I ain't laying down my life for that. I'll go join somebody else's staff. Yeah. I'll go be a staff pastor and just sit and be nice. <laughs> Pet people while they go to hell. Oh, come on. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Let me get back. To my notes here. I ain't got too much time. So, so this, this is what I'm trying to do. And this is what the Holy Spirit reminded me of. That your mandate is to get people off the wayside. Because if we can get people off the wayside, God could bless you. And if God could bless you, you can have maximum impact as it comes to the kingdom. Because a full cup of you can do more than a quarter cup of you. A full cup of you experience the blessing of God is better for your kids because your kids need to go to college. Come on, somebody. And your kids need to stay out of jail and your kids need to stop, you know, doing them. So what, how are we going to do that? Get you out of the wayside. But you got to make a decision. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to come out the wayside. What, are, what, what happens on the wayside? Let me, you know, I've talked about this before. What happens on the wayside? What kind of people stay on the wayside? The Bible is very clear. Beggars stay on the wayside. They stay on the way. They live on the wayside. You've heard me talk about this before. Luke chapter 16, verse 20 breaks it down. You can look on the screen. It says this, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at the gate desiring to be fed with crumbs. Okay. Desiring to be fed with crumbs, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And we've talked about this before. Okay. Mark chapter 10. Go, go to this verse now. Mark chapter 10. This is in the New King James Version right here. All right. Mark chapter 10. It says it like this. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side. It's the same word that's used there in the Greek is wayside, high wayside. So what do we see on the wayside? Beggars, beggars. OK, people, we've got to come up out of a wayside mentality, a beggars mentality. All right. What are characteristics of beggars? Go back to Luke 16. Beggars. This story here gives the characteristics of a beggar. It says there that this beggar named Lazarus was full of sores. Full of sores, full of sores. People that are so used to being on the wayside of life are full of sores. What are sores? Hurts, wounds, things that have happened to them. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a mom. I was raped. I was beaten. My teacher, my principal, the police, my boss. Listen, you got to come up out of that mentality or you will stay on the wayside. Now, listen, time machines ain't came out yet. Y'all knew that, right? 
Some of y'all, it ain't. I saw a movie, Back to the Future. <laughs> time machines ain't came out yet. So we can't go back in time and fix what God did, uh, what, what your family did to you, what your father did to you, what your ex-boyfriend did to you, what your ex-husband. You get the picture. We can't get in some kind of contraption and go over there back in time and fix it. So we talk about this a lot in our church. You got to get healed. But some people want to stay in an unhealed mode. And when you do that, you sentence yourself to, he, to, to the wayside. What we've got to learn is this. In order to be healed, it only takes you and the Lord. Some of us are waiting for somebody to come and apologize. Some of us are waiting to get a call from your mother and her going, I am so sorry that I did that to you. Some of us are waiting for a call from that ex-boyfriend that's going to say, I'm sorry I took advantage of you. I'm sorry I raped you. But you got you to gotta deal with something here. Now, please hear my heart because it's coming across kind of hard, but I want you to catch it. You've got to put to bed the fact that this may never happen. What are you going to do about it? Because the, the fact of the matter is most hurt people hurt people. So if you're expecting a hurt person to act rational, you're not making no sense. So what I had to learn a long time ago is when somebody hurts me, I've got to let God Work it out of me. I don't need nothing from them to forgive them and go on. Amen. I don't need it. I don't. You don't got to apologize. I gave it to the Lord. I've moved on. Some of you are waiting for something to happen. Let me tell you, it ain't ever going to happen. I thought this church was here to give us hope. Yeah. Hope in Jesus. Not in something that probably cannot happen because dad's a drunk or he's messed up himself. And you're for the first time in his life, you're asking him to act rational ain't going to happen. So what do we do? Jesus comes. He comes and he does for you what no apology could ever do. He comes and he takes that hurt. He comes and he bandages it up. He comes and he takes away the reasons, the reasons that you're here. The reasons. No, 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 no. He's going to go earth, wind and fire on you. I don't know. There's a music spirit here. But listen, what am, what am I saying? Why am I saying all this is because wayside people live in their sores. Well, this is why I act the way I do. This is why I'm so mean to men, because I was raped. So I ain't never going to let a man into my life. Sounds like you're protecting yourself. But you know what? Those bars that you put up to keep people out, keeping you in. It's not a fortress. It's a prison. And that joker probably ain't never going to come back and apologize. But Jesus. Jesus can do what no apology could ever do so that you can leave the wayside. See, when you're blaming, you're not changing. When you're blaming, you're not growing. 
And somebody at the end of the day has got to put things to bed. I know you didn't have a good dad. Quit making other people pay for that. Now, let me take it further. Stop making yourself pay for that. Give it to Jesus. He'll heal you. I know those men did you wrong. But the Bible says that man is a blessing. And you keep saying they're dogs, they're dogs. That's because on the wayside. What's at the wayside? Moreover, the dogs came. Dogs exist on the wayside. Now, church, hear me now. This is a hard word. Why? Because I know some of y'all carrying hurts. I know it. We've talked about it. Sat in some, of, some of you sat in my house, talked to me about my hurts or your hurts. All I can do is open your eyes and point you to Jesus because you're using that as an excuse for too long. I can hug you. I could love you. I could love on you. But I can't come and give you the apology. I can't come and give you the thing you want so bad. But Jesus can. And here's another lie of the enemy that you're the only one that's experienced the hurt you have. You know how many great people are great and they've been through worse than you? You know how many great people didn't have a mom, didn't have a dad? You know how many great people have made it through those things? Hey, people have done wrong, been done wrong by authority. Read about Nelson Mandela. Authority in his country threw him in jail. An innocent man for years and years kept his heart right. Kept his, read that book. Somebody needs to read a book about Nelson Mandela. Instead of walking around, oh, the cops, the authority, government. No. He forgave, left the wayside, came into his blessing. And a full cup of Nelson Mandela blessed South Africa. Shoot, blessed the world. Are you tracking with me today? So if you're going to come up out of the wayside, you got to get rid of the sores. You got to get rid of it. And let me tell you, some of you think just talking about it is getting rid of it. It ain't. It ain't. That's the beginning. See, some of us use the, 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 the thing of admittance because I admit it. I'm changing. No, that's not. Changing is a process that comes from God's word. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I know it's a heavy word, but I'm helping somebody today. So there was a there was a there's a beggar. Beggars are full of sores, hurts and wounds. People, it's time we let Jesus heal them. It's time we saying, yeah, we stop saying, excuse me, it's time that we stop saying, yeah, but yeah, but somebody says you could do anything. Yeah, but I didn't have this. This happened to me. Move your butt. Tell you tell your neighbor, move your butt. Unless you don't know him. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> see, see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Don't be adding stuff to it either, uh, Emily. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Number one, beggars are full of sores, hurts, and wounds. Number two, beggars need their sores licked. So people on the wayside, they're hurt, and they don't want anybody to come mm, and help them with their hurt. What they want is the dogs to come and lick their hurts. We want people to come and get in our sorrow. We don't want anybody coming and taking us by the hand and getting and pulling us up. Ah, it hurts. Let me go. Yeah, but we're going to walk it out. Anybody ever had a dad to tell you walk it out? Walk it out. Amen. <laughs> it's a different kind of walk it out there. 
She done went back to the club on me real quick. But you know, some of you, if you ever had a dad or a coach, you got hurt on the field, you go ahead, sit down. You got hurt on the field, what would they tell you? Come on, walk it off. Walk it off. You made it just fell out the car. Amen? Walk it off. Just get up, me home. Me home, just walk it off. Y'all just twackle like that. It'll be okay, just walk it off. See, it takes something to get over a hurt. You want to know what it takes? Trusting again. Trusting again. Well, I don't know if I, I can do that, Pastor. Then you're going to stay hurt and you're going to stay wounded, which equals staying living on the wayside. Are you tracking with me? Because this beggar had dogs that came and licked his sores. He had dogs that came and licked us. See, some of us like friends that don't ever tell us the truth. We like those kind of friends. You come home and you just have stuff to say and they're like, that's jacked up. That's jacked up. But we need friends sometime to go. But you know what? You're wrong, Cheeto. I know that that the way you're looking at it seems like that. But can I just be your friend and tell you you're wrong? I don't think that's right. You know, most of us do to a friend like that. Kick them to the curb because we've been living in a world of wrongs. Where the right thing seems wrong and the right the wrong thing seems right. So we think a friend, we think a ride or die is somebody that rides off the cliff with us. Wow, good. That's a ride or die. That's my ride or die. We're gonna take it, we're gonna get it to the wheels fall off. <laughs> That's my ride or die. Well, listen, a real ride or die sees you about to go over the cliff, will grab that wheel. No, 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 no. We're going this way and we're going this way. And if that person puts up a fight, a real ride or die will elbow you in the face, (laughs) knock you out so he could steal the steer of the car in the right direction. That's a ride or die. Not. Yeah, yeah, man. Let's go off that cliff. Ride or die. I got you. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going down with you. Come on, Thelma and Louise. Come on. That's not, see, that's not ride or die. Ride or die in the kingdom is I love you too much to let you go in error. But wayside people, we just want to be people that want to get in and tell us we're right when we're wrong. Amen? You need someone to tell you, hey man, I know he looks good, but that dude beats women. Why do you want to be with him? Instead of having a friend that just goes, oh, yeah, he's cute. (laughs) And then goes to their friends and goes, do you believe she's dating that dude? I can't believe she's going out with him. If you can't believe it, do something to stop it. Oh, no, no, no. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. Then you're not ride or die. Amen. Amen. And if you're going to come up out of the wayside, you need people in your life that can tell you when you're dead wrong. Amen. Amen. We need it. We all need it. I need it. My wife needs it. You need it. The only way I came up out of the wayside is because I came up with a mentality that said, I already know I'm jacked up. Somebody help me. (laughs) The problem with some of us is we lost that mentality. You got that Pharisee thing. I got this now. You ain't got nothing, Jack. We all need somebody. 
Because the truth of the matter is, if you do your history, if you view into our past, you will all see dirt. Every single one of us. We all make mistakes. The Bible says all have come short of the glory of God, including the dude holding this mic. I don't preach this to you like I got it all together. I make mistakes. I lose my temper. I've done stuff in my past that I'm not proud of. I've made my, I've I've played the game. I've done it. But I've also came up out of the wayside to know that when someone's going to speak into me, I need to listen. Why? Because I don't want my sores licked. I want them healed. I want them healed. Are you getting something today? Some girls date guys that lick wounds. Just get in the boat. You know they're jacked up. But just stay in the. Some guys date girls that lick wounds. Some people want a pastor that licks wounds. You can find one anywhere else, maybe, but you ain't gonna find one here. Because I take this thing. This ain't a game to me. This ain't, a, and it ain't always the popular opinion. It ain't always a, a fuzzy feel-good word, but it's a word that will save your life. And I lay my life down on it. It is. It's something I believe is something that I lay. You know, the Bible says a true friend lays down his life for his friends. Amen. That's a ride or die. That means I got to do it. Guess what else? You got to do it. We can't turn a blank eye to things. And it ain't people trying to be in your business. You know what it is? It's people trying to get you up out of the wayside. Because as long as you got reasons, conditions, you'll stay there. Are you getting something today? Let me keep going. So we got to heal our wounds. We got to quit expecting to get our sores licked. You know, and this is where we're in an age today because we have the lack of fathers. We don't know how to respond when we're getting adjusted. I thank God I had a good dad. I thank God he taught me things about authority because I've learned that authority is not against me. It's for me. I've learned that when someone's speaking instruction, it's because they love me. And I realized some of us that didn't have that in the home, it's confusing. We see correction, adjustment as rejection. It's the highest form of love. I'll say that again. It's the highest form of love. You fathers in here, you think your kid needs another trip to Chuck E. Cheese? You think he needs another pair of Air Jordans? You know what he needs? A bow bow. Because it's the highest form of love. If you're not Spanish, that means uh, spanking. Amen. (laughs) That's the highest form of love. Adjustment, correction. No, no, no. I'm not going to let you do that. We live in a time and an age where I know parents that let their kids smoke weed in their backyard, front yard, and they'll say, well, at least they're doing it here. I'd rather them do it here than out there. No, 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 no. Wrong message. Message that needs to be received is you don't do that in front of me out of respect. Yeah, but I don't know what's going to happen if they go out there. See, you're too worried about being a buddy. Too worried about being a friend when you got to face heaven one day. And God's going to say, what did you do with them kids I gave you? What did you do with them kids I gave you? Oh, they were so bad. Why were they so bad? Oh, the traviesos, you know, they don't even want to listen. They just don't. God's going to say, I gave them to you. And then I gave you my book to tell you how to raise them. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't want them to get mad at me. We're so grateful that God ain't like us. 
Because you know, most of us would do if someone faced you like, get to hit the bricks. I hope you brought your swim shorts because it's hot. He don't do that. But we will face and be accountable for those types of things. We all will face the white throne judgment. And it's not about sending us to heaven or hell. It has to do with the Bible is very clear with rewards in heaven. It is. And we live in a day and age where some of us lack that. And those of you that don't have kids yet, you understand you got to get this because I see parents. I see, you know, they think they're loving on their kids by just taking them out on the weekend, putting them on the merry-go-round and taking pictures. But listen, the highest form of love is when you get a bad report card and you sit them down. You say, what's going on here? This needs to change. I'm taking away your phone because it ain't changing. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, you know, we, uh, see, see, you got all this stuff. We've been doing things wrong for so long. The right thing seems wrong. That's why we got to go to God's word. Let me keep going here. I told you I'd get you out before the Baptist. But are you getting something today? Let me keep going. So the third thing about a beggar, a person on the wayside, they're always late at a gate, never able to go through, always on the wrong side of a breakthrough is what that means. Tired of seeing Christians always believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing, Pastor. I'm believing. Listen, at some point, if you're really believing, you go through. You go through. If you're really believing, you go through. And that man finally comes. Can I get an amen? Amen. That godly woman finally comes. Amen. Amen. That graduation finally comes. That better job finally comes. I'm blessed though you post on Facebook on our church page about the breakthroughs that come and different things that happen. Listen, testify. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. This is what God did. My breakthrough came. I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm not needy anymore. My breakthrough done came. Because break, but people on the wayside are always just believing. Believing for something that will never come. Listen, the reason the beggar was laid at the gate is because he could not go through. You got to get up and you got to go through. You got to go through. The promise is going to come. Amen. Tell the person next to you the promise is coming. Number four. Another thing about beggars, they eat crumbs. I've talked about this before. Call it a review, but call it a Holy Ghost review. Beggars eat crumbs. They gravitate to the lowest common denominator. Do your research. Who is it in the office that's always gossiping? The scrubs. Come on, you know it's true. You know it's true. The other ones always say, gossiping. People on the wayside, beggars, flock to the lowest common denominator. Gossip, rumors, believe in everything. Always being quick to believe the wrong. Got quiet in here. We always quick to believe the wrong. We've been conditioned by our news media to just believe stuff that ain't even there sometimes. The media knows this. They throw stuff on without the facts and then they'll put a little thing at the end of the newscast. Oh, this was wrong. You ever watch Fox News? They do that all the time. Report stuff. Two weeks later, then they come. Oh, the thing we reported on three days ago was uh, inaccurate facts. Now the next story, after they gave 30 minutes to that story two days ago. See, what are we conditioned to do in the wayside? Believe the worst. That's why some of you, when you get bad news, you run with it. Oh, my gosh, you run with it. Go to the doctor. Oh, it looks like this is going to be bad. Oh, you get off the phone. Oh, the doctor said, I'm going to die. He didn't say that. He said, it looks bad. 
and you're trying to get all the intercessors, man, call it a mana so-and-so and, and, and tell her to, to, to call that and then let's get them all praying. And it's not even that. But you're so quick to run with bad news. That's a wayside person. A rumor gets started about somebody at your job. You, you automatically believe it. Yeah. And it's the dumbest rumor. Right. The dumbest rumor. Hey, I heard that dude robbed a bank. <laughs> Stole like half a mil. You're like, really? <laughs> you know how you do, really? For real? <laughs> no fool, if that was true, he wouldn't be working at your sorry job. <laughs> But, but we believe, we believe. How many know I'm talking truth today? Amen. We believe that stuff. Listen, you want to come up out of the wayside? I'm going to teach you how right now. Do this. Teach yourself to believe the good. Amen. Gravitate to the good. Gravitate to it. That's what Jesus does. Yeah, but pastor, you know, if you do that, you could be taken as a fool. Don't worry about that. God will take care of that. Yeah. God will bring things to the light. You know what that does for you? You'll be a person of peace. You'll be a peacemaker. I like to tell my guys in my discipleship like this. Be somebody that carries water, not gasoline. Carry water, not gasoline. You know what I'm talking about? People that carry gasoline, they hear a little rumor, throw something on that. Get a big inferno going. Oh, I heard this. I heard that. Oh, I wonder if that's true. A man carries water. No, it ain't even like that. You don't even know. Shut up. <laughs> Were you there? You weren't there? Okay, then. Close your mouth. I feel a brick spirit in here. Somebody... It's true. How many know it's true? It's true. Okay, but wayside people, they're crumb eaters. The lowest common denominator. Let me tell you what the lowest common denominator is. The easiest thing to go through life is to find everything wrong. Easiest thing. You'll never be let down. You want to know why? Because we live in an imperfect world, imperfect world. It's imperfect. You're imperfect. So if I'm looking at you to find something wrong, I'm going to find something every time. Every time. If I step into a room and look for what's wrong, I'm always going to find something wrong. If I get a job looking around for what's wrong, guess what I'm going to find? Stuff that's wrong. Why? Because the world is imperfect. And if you're looking, if you're looking for the negative, if you're looking for what's wrong, you will always find it. But people that have come out of the wayside into the kingdom, we learn to look through the eyes of Jesus, which believes the best. I don't see a community out here where I shouldn't start a church. I see one where a church could thrive. Yes. But I know church growth people. Oh, you shouldn't start in South Sacramento. You should go to Elk Grove. <laughs> By golly. <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't be right there you're starting in a school ain't nobody want to go to church in a school but we got to see through the eyes come on we got to see through the eyes of jesus Amen. if i saw through the eyes of a crumb eater wouldn't nobody be doing anything in the church got quiet in here because if i look at each one of us i'm gonna find something wrong if you look at me and my wife, you're gonna, if you're looking at me, you're going to find a lot wrong. Let me just help you with that. You want to know what's wrong? Come sit with me. I ain't got a problem telling you what's wrong. Okay? But if you're going to come up out of the wayside, you got to train yourself to see the good. What's good? 
Let's not talk about what's bad. Let's talk about what's good. People leave a chair. Oh, I didn't like that chair. He went too long today. That chairs was hard. My butt was hurting. <laughs> it was hot in there. Ushers, man. What was up with the ushers? They didn't like this. They didn't like that. Amen? When you hear that, that's a crumb eater. Amen? We don't eat crumbs. None of y'all eat crumbs. I know I don't eat crumbs. I like meals. Don't laugh at me. So do you. Okay. We are not crumb eaters. Don't be one in the spirit either. Learn how to just sit there and say, I got that, 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 that. Save the drama. Come on. For your mama. Amen. This is a hard word. Amen. I know it is. I know it's a hard word. But how can I get you out, out of that thing if I can't show you how wrong it is? And I can't show you how wrong it is just by going, hey, don't, don't do it. The, way, the wayside. Everybody, everybody put a finger in the air and go like this. No, 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 no. The wayside. How many know sometimes you got to get your son and get, get over here? Get, sit down right there. You know, you know it's right. The people are going, oh, I don't know about that, but you're the one to do it all the time. I see you. We need it sometimes to just be able to stress. You don't do that. You don't act like that. Amen? Let me keep going. Let me keep my promise to you. Let me keep going. Here we go. So let me, let me finish up here. Okay, so we're not going to eat crumbs. We're not going to gravitate to what's wrong. We're going to teach ourselves to look what's, for what's right. Can we do that? Yes. If we do that, we'll be all right. Because that is looking at people through the eyes of God. Will you get hurt? Absolutely. Will you be let down? Absolutely. We've got to get rid of this fear of getting hurt. Let me help you with this one here. Put your rocks down. Okay. Let me help you with this one here. Fear is the greatest evidence that you're selfish. That's one of them drop the mic words right there. Exit the stage. But it can be a hard word. Why? Because so many of us live our lives to protect. I ain't never going to let no man hurt me again. I never going to let no girl do that to me again. Listen, when you come to Christ and you really get how awesome he is, you realize I don't have to protect myself. If I get hurt, he will pick me up. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my he's Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. So you know what that frees me up to do? Love. You don't become a pastor not expecting to get hurt. Let me just tell you this. You don't lead people without expecting to get hurt. You don't start a business without expecting to get hurt. Hurts are going to come. Jesus said offenses will come. But he said, but I'll be there. But I'll be there. And so if we're going to uh, be the kind of people that leave the wayside, we've got to let go and let, let God come in and trust him. The greatest way to trust God is to trust people. Write that one down. Tattoo that one somewhere. That you could see it, though, that you could see it. The greatest way you demonstrate your trust in God is by trusting people. If you cannot trust people, you really cannot trust God. You say, well, I don't see the correlation. The correlation is this. I could trust people because if they let me down, he'll pick me up. And when he picks me up, I am up. When he heals me, I'm healed. Amen. I hope you're getting this today. Let's keep going. Let me let me go. So the last thing about a beggar and a person on the wayside is they die. They die. 
They end up staying in one spot their whole life and dying there. And that is not what we're here to do. We're here to dominate. Dominion, that's what dominion means. Take domination over your, your career, your gift, your area of influence, dominate, amen? So if we're gonna, we're gonna leave this thing, I, I read there Mark chapter 10 as I close here, it's, it talked there about blind Bartimaeus who sat by the wayside begging, verse 47. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then verse 50, it says this, and he cast away his garments, he rose and he came to Jesus. If we're gonna keep you out of the wayside of thinking, you gotta do one thing. You gotta cast off your beggar's garment. Now, what is a beggar's garment? Okay, a beggar's garment is this. A beggar's garment was used in the ancient days to identify a beggar. If somebody was a beggar, they didn't just get to go out and beg. The government literally would give them a certain uh, garment that identified them as a beggar. And when they went out to beg, they were left alone if they had that specific garment. The government officials knew, the workers in the city knew, he is a certified beggar. And what they would do with the beggar's garment, listen, they would put the garment out and the garment is actually where people would drop their donations to the beggar. Their garment was actually the thing they used to survive, to get by. It was, listen, their excuse to keep on being a beggar. And the Bible says when blind Bartimaeus saw Jesus and Jesus said, come, and he called for him. The Bible makes it clear that blind Bartimaeus threw off his beggar's garment as to say, I don't need you anymore. I'm changing. Now, what's powerful about this is Jesus had not yet healed blind Bartimaeus. He was still blind on the way to Jesus. See, we want an assurance. We want, we want God to tell us everything he's going to do for us. We don't want to trust. I don't know if I could. I don't, no, blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus is calling for me. I'm taking this, throwing it off, and I'm coming. What was he saying? I'm all in. I'm not going to hang on to a beggar's mentality that, that I've been using to live. Because you want to know what people will do with excuses? It, it, excuses allow you to stay how you are. Yeah. And, you, and then the people that use excuses, they bring it up all the time. Well, you know, I could have made it, but yeah. hey, did you play football? Well, I, I, I played for a little while, but come on, you know, you know the people. Come, you know them. Some of you here. <laughs> hey, did you go to college? Well, I went one semester, but then this excuse happened and I never went back. As long as you hang on to the excuse, it gives you the right to stay where you are. We've got to be like blind Bartimaeus, throw off the garment, throw it off. I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm not on the wayside no more. Yeah, I didn't have a dad, but that don't hold me back. God's my dad. Yeah, I got, I got beat down by a man before, but that's not going to stop me. God's got a good man for me. Yeah, I didn't have this. I didn't have that. But now I got God and he is more than enough. Did we not sing today? Greater is he. Greater is he. That's in me. Come on. Greater is he. He's greater than what we didn't have. But you got to let it go. There it is right there. That's the word. Give me help me out on the keyboard. That's the word. 
When you're going to let it go. You keep saying, well, when well, when this happens, well, when that happens, what if it never happens? You're going to stay on the wayside with them dogs. You're going to have a wayside marriage, a wayside bank account, some broke down wayside kids. Where the greatest thing you ever get to celebrate is there a release from jail? Oh, you laugh, but I know couples. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Mijo got out today and they're proud of them. And that's the biggest thing they've ever been able to be proud of. Listen, we're not trying to raise up a generation of perfect people, but we want to raise up a people that are ready to leave the wayside. And if it means I stay in church an extra 10 minutes, then I'm good. If it means, you know, I don't take advantage. We ain't never been here past 12, hardly. You got people that walk out. Listen, what is it going to take to get you out of the wayside? You got to be willing to get it out. Because listen, you got to go on. You got to go on. No more excuses. I've said this before and it's kind of harsh, but I want you to get it. Excuses are for losers. Winners don't make excuses. We don't make excuses. Look at the person next to you say, we don't make excuses. It don't even come out of my mouth, stuff I didn't have. Yeah, but you had a good mom and dad, but there was stuff I didn't have. There's stuff you didn't have. Amen? Stand on your feet. We're leaving the wayside. Amen? But we're leaving the wayside to go back to the wayside and bring others out of it too. But some of us in this room, you haven't left it up here yet. And you're still allowing the environment we live in to whisper to you. Can't trust nobody. Can't trust nobody. Can't trust nobody. No, that ain't true. Yeah, but, but, but get rid of the excuses. Have I ever had people do me wrong? I could tell you stories, keep you here all day. I've been, I've been done wrong by the most hurtful people, pastors that put their arm around me, blessed me as they threw me down the stairs, hugged me as they stabbed me in the back. And you know what? I'm good. Did they ever come back and apologize, pastor? No. No. I've been robbed by pastors took stuff from us. Did they ever come by and make it right? No. And they don't need to. You know why? Because I moved on. I took my beggar's garment and I threw it out. Don't need it. I'm not a victim. I'm not less than. I'm ready to move on. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of us in this room, it's time you come up out of the wayside for real. I'm not talking about a church attendance. I'm not talking about just being a Christian. I'm talking about leaving a negative mentality, a way of thinking, a way of life, and elevating your life so that God can bring John chapter 10, 10 into your life. He could bless you with abundance where your cup is running over. Some of us in this place, you've been, you've been being lied to. The enemy's been whispering to you. He's just trying to bring division in your heart. He's trying to get you to back up off the call of God. If you know you're called, get in it or get out of it. Get in it or get out of it. But run to it. Whatever direction you're going, run. 
If you're going to run to your sin, run to it. If you're going to run to God, run to it. And the reason I say run to that side so you can hurry up and find out ain't nothing there. Quit, quit playing footsie with it. Go and experience it because you're going to find out ain't nothing there for you. And then maybe then, as Paul said, maybe if we give you over to the destruction of your flesh, maybe then you'll understand the blessing of God. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask this question today. Some of you need to just make a conscious decision. I'm coming up out of this wayside. God speaks to you and two weeks later, you forget it. God's told you certain things to do and you backed up off of it because you listen to the wrong voices. This is your moment. That Leviathan thing that's been speaking, that's made this life about you, we're going to break that off of you today. And you're going to walk out of here seeing different. So if you're here today and you're just like, Pastor, I'm tired. I'm tired of living that way. I want to leave it. I want to leave that wayside. I want you to just slip up a hand and don't be ashamed be ashamed. Don't let that thing keep you there. Yes, yes, yes. I see your hands. Yes. I want you to do one other thing. Come right over here to this side as I'm about to dismiss everybody else. I, you, if you raise your hand, just come right on down. This is a declaration. Don't you dare be afraid or shy. Listen, break the back of this thing right now. Hallelujah. Break the back of this thing. Come on down. Come on down. If you raise your hand, come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. There's going to be a shift in you today. There's going to be a shift in you today. Hallelujah. 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 This is a serious thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you.